There is nothing better than the feel of pen on paper. That little bit of resistance pushing back at me as I save my thoughts in a notebook. For years, I've looked to replicate that feeling on an iPad, but it's never really been the same, at least until I discovered Paperlike. The surface of the Paperlike is coated using nanodots, tiny microbeads that are designed to add superior stroke precision when you drag the Apple Pencil across the screen. The latest iteration of Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils that are designed for maximum picture clarity. These foils are developed exclusively for Paperlike products. Every Paperlike comes in a set of two, so you'll always have a spare in case you need to replace it. Within a few weeks of applying Paperlike to my iPad Pro, my Apple Pencil is getting more use than ever. Taking notes, journaling, tapping through show notes, you name it. I feel like I'm realizing the true potential of the touchscreen without sacrificing my love of pen and paper. To pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com BGA, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their digital Pro Planner bundle at no extra cost with every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. Ready to do more with your iPad? Head over to paperlike.com BGA to get started. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 404 BGA Year in Review 2022. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers, but especially our brand new Patreon backer, Martin. Thank you so much. You rock, our friend. Anthony, we are back and we are talking about the greatest or just basically everything that happened in the year 2022. Yes, yes, it is the very end of the year. In fact, as we're recording this, New Year's is only five days away. Ah! And I know <laughs> we're, we're in the weird in-between week where it's, it's neither the last year nor next year yet. Um, and so we're no. going to take a few minutes. We're going to talk about what happened this year. We're going to talk about the games that came out, the ones that didn't, the ones we played, the ones we didn't, and kind of get ready for next year where we dive into all the new stuff. Absolutely fantastic. So again, 2022, a really interesting, weird, dynamic, fun, just, just, it had everything. It had twists and turns and it, it had ups and downs. It had, I don't know, crazy articles where people discovered that people are playing board games out there in the world. Who knew? A, a lot of those the last month, right? You keep sending them to me. I'm like, all right, Washington <laughs> Post is in on it. And now we got uh, we got the New York Times again. Uh-huh. Smithsonian's Smithsonian, in on yeah. it. Like they're yeah, like, hey, yeah. we're, we're... do you know? Do you know what's going on? People are playing board games and they're collecting toys as adults. Man, this is whack. You're like, uh-huh. really, really? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Culture right. editor for the newspaper that no one reads anymore. Come on. 
<laughs> or actually probably even better to say like the, the newspaper that's best known for its games, right? At this point. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe that the, you know, the, the whole print production that we do that features the most world famous crossword puzzle. And now, you know, word Sudoku is now something that I don't know. People like to play other games. So Yes, it has been quite a year. The conventions are back. They were in full-fledged, full flight. We saw a tremendous amount of games, got many of them to the table, got to meet so many of, out, out of, your, of you out there, including Martin, and it's been a great year for board gaming again. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been fantastic. Um, you know, it's, it's still a little weird, obviously. Part of that for me, I guess for both of us, we've been moving around, right? Sure. Like I just I moved to Philly like towards the end of last year, and then this year, like starting a new job and everything. But we're closer to each other now, so we've gotten together several times, been able to mm-hmm. play games, multiple games, yes. um, which we've talked about here on the podcast. We got to PAX, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, hoping next year we can do even more beyond that. And it's, I won't say normal, because I don't know that, anything will ever feel t- truly normal again, but sure. more normal than the last two years. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. We got past our episode, you know, three hundreds into the four hundreds, which again, like, as you said, Anthony, over the last couple of years, it, it <clears throat> felt like we would never get there, but we're now on a whole different numerical scale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's four hundreds. And somehow that means a thing, but I guess in a couple of days, we'll say happy new year. And somehow that means a thing too. So Here's to new numbers. I think that's, you know, that's a thing we should be happy about. So that's the human experience, right? We're counting up. We're always counting up. Yes. Unless we're counting down, but that's a whole other story for another counting day. Counting down but... to count up. Oh, ho, ho. I see what you did there. Yeah. Fancy. Well, for this episode, number 404, again, our feature review is our episode BGA year in review. Um, I think this is going to be a really great opportunity to catch up, think about, plan out, and play some great games at the table. But before we get to that, Anthony, what are all our friends out there listening to? What's our question of the week? Yeah, so uh, New Year's Eve is coming up quick. It's in two or three days, depending on when you listen to this. And I asked everybody what their ideal New Year's Eve board game marathon looks like. Oh, So every year, I I wake up on... New Year's Day, and I look through Facebook and I see all these people that it's like, we stayed up late and we played board games for eight hours. I'm like, man, that looks cool. (laughs) I wish I could do that, but I think my kids' brains would melt out the side of their ears if I did that to them. (laughs) Um, So at their age, we do a movie marathon because then they can wander off and do whatever and the movie just plays in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm looking forward to it. So I wanted to know what people do for theirs or what they would do for theirs if they could do their ideal marathon. Um, so lots of good answers here. We've got Matt, who is very on target, just gave me a playlist. <clears throat> nice. Dominant Species, Trajan, Ooh. Great Zimbabwe, Twa, Concordia, Terra Mystica, Santa Maria, Five Tribes. Excellent. That should be enough. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> I, I Matt, I think you're going to have to be like on it because that is a lot of game. That's that's a good 12 to 15 hours right there if you're not taking breaks. So <laughs> yeah, no um, doubt. A lot of games there. Um, Andres mentions wanting to play through unplayed games or a campaign game like Gloomhaven or Tainted Grail. So mm-hmm. either picking one game and playing it for a long time or picking a bunch of stuff you've never played before and just getting it to the table by the end of the year. Um, Uriel kind of says what I'm thinking. Like, honestly, just playing anything with family and friends, I'd be happy. Mm-hmm. Like, same. <laughs> like, 
again, if I could get my kids to sit down for eight to 10 hours and play games without it being physically painful for them, I would do that. Hmm. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Corey says a 12 hour day of replaying the best games to come to the game table in the past 12 months. So nice. No rules teaching, just gaming. Oh, <laughs> yes. 100% agree. That would be amazing. Yeah, I think that would be a Christmas slash New Year's miracle. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Does everybody remember the rules? And when they say yes, they actually mean it. Uh, so Matthew, he mentions Pandemic Legacy in one sitting. I think that's doable, too. I think you could get Pandemic Legacy done in one day Mm -hmm. um, if you don't lose too much. Sure. If you lose a bunch, then that game could spiral a little bit. But yeah. um, And then Jill mentions a long day evening of two to three over playing a predetermined list of games where everyone knows the rules and plays without extensive AP. So not happening. So Jill Jill knows what's up. Yeah. (laughs) That's a fever dream. It's it's hard because you have to balance that want to play the new hotness which you always want to play because you have so many games on the shelves right and yet at the same time do not want to spend that amount of game time having to teach the game at the table and then kind of muddle through at the same time so it's 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 a real it's a man i don't know like i i I struggle with that every time because like you always look at the game shelves or you look what you brought you're like i know how to play these everyone knows how to play these you're like, we should play these because we know how to play these. Yeah. And then like someone's like, hey, I got a new game. And you're like, oh, new game. And then, of course, they once they open, you know, the plastic, you're like, oh, no, they don't know how to play this game. God, it's <laughs> the worst feeling in the world. I The number of times I've had to, like, try to talk somebody down, like, you know what? Maybe we come back to this one. You know, just learn the rules. <laughs> I'll learn the rules. I'll go home and learn the rules tonight. We'll play it tomorrow. But sure. Let's not do this right now. And they're like, no, 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 I got this. I got this. I'm like, no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> we'll read through it together. You're like, oh, no. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't learn that way. My brain's going to implode. <laughs> it's it's a it's a terrible and a beautiful problem to have at the very yeah. least. Yeah. I definitely like the idea of the legacy games. I think if you can time that properly or if you could just have it as the full day game event, the concept of just ripping cards up and destroying lands and troops and stuff throughout the board so right i would probably say risk legacy just mm. because it has a lot of really interesting twists and turns which we have not spoiled but it has a lot of interesting twists and turns so that would be my recommendation and it's the idea that like everything kind of gets destroyed and then the year comes to an end and then like hey let's it's done. It's done. It's over. The year is over. We did it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I would like. Um, I love the idea of a, a legacy game through, but there's not really any legacy games that I'm looking forward to playing right now. Mm. And like one of the things that's really nice about watching a movie going into New Year's is you can time it, right? Like you can pick your big moment and like time it. So like last year, my son wanted to watch the Avengers movies. And so we I timed it so that the snap would happen at midnight. Oh, um, and that was really cool. That was a fun thing to do. With a board game, it's like 95% certain you're all just sitting there hunched over <laughs> staring at your hands when midnight strikes. And like 10 minutes later, someone will be like, oh, it's it's 1209. You're <laughs> like, like, oh, oh, cool. is it my turn? Is it my turn? Yeah. Is it my turn? It's my turn. I know it's my turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy New Year. OK. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think you get a lot of that kind of different types of fun at the game table. So yeah, if you can time the game, great. If you can destroy a game by the end of the year, great. If you could just get games to the table, I think, again, it's a fantastic time. And now people are starting to get the hint. So, you know, save the champagne for a little bit later because, you know, you don't want to ruin the cardboard. And, you know, hopefully you'll get one of these great games to the table. All right, Anthony, so let's get on to our feature review. It is, of course, a review of 2022. It is. Yes. So one thing to keep in mind is we're going to lean heavily on our most anticipated list for 2022, which we Mm -hmm. released at the very beginning of the year. Yes. Uh, We do this every year, the first week or two of the year. Um, For 2023, it'll be in two weeks because next week is our awards show. Mm Mm-hmm. And we go through and I try to come up with 50 different games and expansions that are coming out that we know of or suspect will come out, are planned to come out um, in the year ahead. And we talk about why we're excited and what we're hopeful about. And at the end of the year, we look back and we talk about, did we get to play these games? Did they actually come out? Were they any good? Uh, did we just not bother at all? Or did they just not come out? They disappeared into a, a black cavern and asthma day and we'll never <laughs> see them again. Um, so a lot of this will be that. So if you're wondering, like, where did this list come from? Where, why do you talk about like 65 games? It's like, well, it's from that episode from last year, uh, which you don't have to listen to to enjoy this. But that's where it comes from. Yeah. And I think that's a, a kind of good listen to if you want to hear our sincere anticipation of these games, our desperate appeals to get them to the table. Yeah. <laughs> And then see how that's all crumbled right now. So you might want to jump back to last year's episode or or I guess at the beginning of last year so that you could hear all that hopeful promise now come crumbling down. <laughs> Every year. Every year Every. we go back through this list and I'm like, why was I excited for that? Oh my gosh, it was terrible. <laughs> yes. So again, before you do that, jump back to episode 358. If you want the full feel, you know, but nonetheless, let's get on with the episode, Anthony. All right. So um, first up, uh, just at a high level, like what do we think of the year in terms of the games released? Mm -hmm. Again, next week, we're going to do our awards, the BGA Awards. We're going to tell you our favorite best games of the year in different categories. But just as a whole, impression wise, what do we think of 2022 as a gaming year? I mean, I think for me, my impression, especially having been at PAX, was this was one of, if not the most solid year across the board. There was nothing that was necessarily like the heights of all heights, but there doesn't seem to be any like basement here. There wasn't like just an endless amount of just junk games. It was just like, we were just seeing solid sevens across the board with a lot of the games out here this year. It's interesting. Yeah, like we've had... So in the past, we've had a lot of games that kind of skew the thing, right? Like we've had so many games come out that we have like a lot of games we were excited for did really well. And a lot of games we were excited for did not. Mm -hmm. Um, So this year, I think there's two things that are happened. One is we came out of the pandemic. So a lot of the, I mean, we came out of, we didn't really, but like commercially capitalism (laughs) came out of the pandemic. Um, the, The world as a whole has decided to move on financially. Uh, so a lot of companies released stuff that was not quite ready or had been delayed by shipping stuff or whatever, mm-hmm. right? 
Sure. Um, the conventions came back at full strength. So all these places were available to like push the games out and pump them up. And then at the same time, I don't know the exact numbers, but it just seems like less games are coming out at volume because of Kickstarter and because of Asmodee swallowing everything up and sure, you know, honing down their release schedule. So the result is when we go through the list, there's not so much chaff. We have to like mm-hmm. pull out like the bad stuff. Um, it's a, there's a lot of solid games. Now, are there, like you said, are there any like 10 out of 10s? No. I mean, there's a few really good ones in here. There's a couple that I, you know, I gave a buy personally, but there was a lot of plays. I think, I don't think I've given so many plays in a year on my mm. reviews at the table sure. as I did in 2022. Yeah. And I think the list is interesting too, especially how you split it up. I think that once people, once we get to the end of the list, I think it just, it tells a story. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that story is obviously a lot of the unreleased stuff that we were really hotly anticipating that did not come out this year. Yeah. And some of the stuff that did come out this year, since it had been on Kickstarter for so long, I think was just kind of a well-known product. And we did have a lot of games that we had seen previous re-implementations or reiterations or spiritual successors. Uh, So some of it wasn't new ground so to speak but i think there is still a lot to kind of love for 2022 and i don't think that there was any major just flat tires here and i think that was kind of interesting too yeah now there there are several top 100 games in this release list there's actually Mm -hmm. several top 20 games yeah in this release list so um it's it's some good stuff all right so i'll dive into it um again we're going to go through the games that actually released in 2022 first and just give our really brief impressions if we played them if we didn't we'll tell you why we didn't Mm -hmm. uh and then we'll get into the games that did not come out in Ah. 2022 that we thought were going to come out so so it's a very a lot of caveats there but it was stuff that we thought was coming out this year at the beginning it did not Mm -hmm. um or just did like in the last week and therefore we won't play it until next year gotcha all right so first up we had gutenberg this was a big one coming out of essen last year um Mm -hmm. Both pre-ordered this. We both got it, and we both played it uh, yes. over the summer. <laughs> so, I what did we think? I mean, we both reviewed it. This is on a previous episode. I think the game is good, but I think, like I said earlier, it was a year of kind of okay to good games. Yeah, and a lot of it was inventive and interesting, but I never really felt like it just went the next level like it had a lot of the good components but it was just like this is good okay we're done what else (laughs) that kind of thing yeah that's how i felt i gave it a play i was disappointed honestly like i don't even dislike it but i was disappointed because it looked so cool and it was such a Mm -hmm. fun theme and cool components and then the game itself at the end of the day was just like it's a seven yeah it's another seven it's it has some really good mechanics to it and it it has a great theme and has some interesting bits to it and I was, like you said, Anthony, I think if this game had come out, I don't know, five or seven years ago, yeah. I think we'd be talking about one of the best games of the year. But it's just like a good game. It's just it's OK. It's a good game. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Arc Nova, which, again, technically came out the year before in Europe, but it didn't make it to our shores until 2022. Um this is a funny one to talk about because when it came out, it was like the hypest hype of all time. People mm-hmm. were 
it's the second coming of board gaming. <laughs> um, and you know, the ranking reflects it. It's number four on board game geek already. And yes. that's crazy. Um, it got there faster than terraforming Mars, even though I don't think it's as good as terraforming Mars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both liked it a lot. I own it. I play it mm-hmm. every now and then solo. I, again, I just think it's like a very, very good amalgamation of a lot of mechanics. We already know. Yes. I've heard a lot of people really excited about this game because, and it seems crazy to us, Anthony, but there are a lot of people out there who don't like space or sci-fi themed games. Fair, Fair enough. (laughs) And especially, again, there's a lot of people who like animals. So, like, I had heard somebody talk about Ark Nova in reference to Wingspan. And they're like, oh, I love animals. I love Wingspan. And like, oh, I I gotta play Ark Nova. It's got animals. I'm like... Oh, okay, cool. So that's like, again, a a theme that seems overdone because we have seen it for endless numbers of years. But for so many people getting into board gaming, the idea of all of those animals coming into play is something novel to them. And again, it's based, it has a really strong backbone as far as the mechanics are concerned. So I know a lot of people were really excited about this. Like you said, the hype train was in full speed. It was on sale, weirdly, considering how much hype was out there for it. And I think even Barnes & Noble had it on for sale or currently has it on sale in some places. So for me, it's it's good. But again, it's just, I don't know. I have so much Terraforming Mars at this point. (laughs) I have so many games that do a lot of these things. But yeah, no hate against it. I think it's I think it's good. It is. It is a very good game. Yeah, I think I even gave it a buy and you gave it a play like it was. I'm happy to have it and I will continue to play it. Mm-hmm. But um, all right. Next up was Boone Lake, uh, Alexander Fisher's newest game about cows and stuff in the future, <laughs> but also the past, but also there's technology or it's, something. It's cattle punk. As, yeah. as, as I, t- <laughs> as I mentioned to the, the uh, publishers, I'm like cattle punk, right? They're like looking at me. Like I, I just kind of insulted their mother. And I'm like, isn't it like, I, I, <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. Like, that's a thing. Surprisingly enough, that's a thing. And they're like, no, but kind of. And talk about a weird theme for a game. Like, when right. you play that game, like, it has a lot of interesting ideas and concepts behind it. Right. And not, not, it's not necessarily anything bad about it. It's just, it's, it's just an odd theme. It's just, okay, all right, I get it. Maybe, kind of, okay, weird. Just a weird, yeah. just weird, weird. Yeah, I, f- I feel like Alexander Fister's eyes are always bigger than his stomach. Like, mm-hmm. his games always have these really grandiose ideas and, like, all these stories and legacy stuff and different themes, and you get into them, and you're like, oh, it's just this. Yes. And that's fine, but why are you selling it as all of this? Yeah. It's not. It's not all of this. Um, the game was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's really hard to describe to people, and it's kind of hard to teach because of the theme. Because it's, okay. it's hard to attach things to those thematic elements. Yeah, it's a big deck of cards, too, and you see a lot of the same stuff, and you're just like, uh, and it's, you know, you're building up controlling areas, and you're moving down kind of a river thing, but none of it seems to really truly connect to each other. Yeah. Good, though. Again, we both gave it a play. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, Frosthaven. Neither one of us has played this. It is out mm-hmm. now. It's shipped. It's available. You can go find it. It's $250, so I ain't, I ain't going to get it, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really, really big too. We saw it at PAX. It is an enormous game. So large. Yes. I'm really happy that this game has gotten so much celebration around it. It was interesting that, that, you know, Isaac Childress had brought this game out 
because Gloomhaven had such a solid spot, I would be a little hesitant to bring something out that was so closely aligned to the original. Mm. I mean, took real guts because you're asking some people, the vast majority of people who have not played through the full campaign yet to, hey, do you want to buy another game that is very closely aligned, but now it's a little frostier. Right. And they bought it and they celebrated it. And it was great to see everyone excited at PAX. But again, for me too, I had played so much Gloomhaven at this point that I was, I think we were talking about this. I had played more Gloomhaven than I had played some of my, I guess, (laughs) the games that I love more than anything. (laughs) And I'm just (laughs) like, and like, you know, you play 30, 40, you know, you know, missions in Gloomhaven and you're like, are we done? Like, did we, did I get the fun out of it? Like, it still feels like one game. Right? right. Even after playing that, like it's still one game, right? Cause I haven't gotten to the end. Right. So yeah, I, this is not something I'm, I'm unfortunately going to pick up just because as you said, Anthony, the cost is a little challenging considering Gloomhaven and then the lion, uh big box store one even seems a little more accessible for yeah. different groups. So, uh, you know, hopefully maybe a lot of people are getting for us even in for the new year or maybe off over the break. Yeah, it looks. It, I would play it if somebody's like, "I have a copy. Do you want to play?" But I'm not definitely not going to pick it up myself just because I still have Gloomhaven and never finished it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, another one we were very excited about um, that we actually picked up at PAX last year and then we played in early 2022 is Botoku. Um, mm-hmm. This from Devere, and it was one of those games. It's very pretty. There's a lot going on, uh, and it was a little overwhelming, right? Like. Mechanically speaking, there was some really interesting ideas here, but there was almost too many ideas. It was what we mm. kind of took away from this game, right? Yeah, I think the graphic design worked to its temperament. I think it was certainly, it got in a way, and there was a lot of symbology that just really wasn't that necessary, and it came down to, like, two different paths to victory. And depending on player counts, that leaned one way more than the other. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good game. And it was, again, it's another one of those games where, like, it's a good game. I don't know if I want to play this again. Right. Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> and I have it. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, is an interesting one. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's for the people who like it, it's good. Um, the Spill. Uh, this one from, I don't know if it was Smirk and Dagger or Smirk and Laughter, but our, our buddy Kurt over at the Smirks. Um, this is a cooperative game about cleaning up after an oil spill. I was very excited about this after PAX last year. It came in over the summer, late, early fall. Um, it's just, it's a cooperative game. It's dealing with real world problems that are not pandemics. And <laughs> uh, I'm just really excited to get like this in my classroom to play with my kids. Um, I have not had a chance to play it yet. Just finally got a copy at PAX. Yeah, I really like the theme. The artwork looks good. Haven't been able to get it to the table, but looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, another one that I have not had a chance to play yet. And like, I don't know when I will pick this up, but I will eventually, depending on where my kids are at is familiar tales. Um, this is from the designer of uh, mice and mystics, uh, Jerry Hawthorne. And it kind of brings a lot of the things that we're used to from his games. Now we have the adventure book games. So like stuffed fables, but also now it's implementing and integrating like app materials and a few other mechanics. And so it's like mice and mystics mashed up with stuffed fables into a big, cooperative deck building fantasy game. Um, wow. It looks really cool. 
but I got to get my kids either through stuffed fables or through mice and mystics <laughs> before I buy another one of these. Sure. Even though I want to play it because who else am I going to play it with, but them? Yes, of course. Uh, next up we have founders of Teotihuacan. This is, <laughs> so we made fun of this game a fair bit because, uh, they did the founders of Gloomhaven thing where they took a game that's very popular <laughs> and they're like, it's the founders of that. It's the past. It's a prequel. They made a prequel to a board game. No. <laughs> and it's a different designer and different mechanics. Um, and you know what? It kind of works if you like polyominoes and that kind of thing. So I like it. I gave it a play. I thought it was a decent game. I had fun with it. It's not too long. The rules are a little too complicated and there are some fiddly bits to it. But strategically, there's a lot here to think about. Chris, I don't think you would like this. So I'm Yay. not going to ask you to play it. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm glad if it broke the founder's curse of. But yeah, I'm fine with passing on this. That's fine. I'll, I'll stick to the present success over the prequel problematic kind of foundational stuff that doesn't really work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, all right, so the next up on the list, we had Settlement. Um, this is a game about uh, becoming the lord of a, a variety of lands. So it's kind of got some civilization elements to it, but it's not really a full 4X. It's more like explore and build. <laughs> um, but this one, it really caught my attention at the beginning of the year. And I don't remember why, um, because I've not actually played the game. <laughs> like, it's... Not something I've seen at the table. It's not seen around, but I know it is out. I've seen reviews of it. I've talked to friends who have it, and they say it's a decent enough game. Um, but like the fantasy style theming, the building out of the civilization elements, all the different mechanics and pieces in there, and it's a relatively short game. Um, I do feel like it's something I would enjoy if I get my hands on it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. So maybe it gets to the table. Sure. Uh, next up, another one. Haven't had a chance to play yet, but. Still excited to give it a shot, even though the early reviews are not super strong. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Eternal Palace from Alley Cat Games. Mm-hmm. Um, it's designed by Stephen Aramini, and he's the designer of Sprawlopolis, which is a button shy game with 18 cards and happens to be one of my top 100 games of all time. So I was like, oh, he's doing like a big game. That's amazing. I'm really excited for that. And by all accounts, the game is okay. <laughs> like, uh, it's a dice placement game. You're building out the Eternal Palace. Um, it was a Kickstarter, so there's a lot of really, like, really interesting additions to the game, like in terms of um, visuals and components and additional expansion stuff. Um, but I didn't back it originally, so it's not something I've actually seen around. It's kind of like that curse of Kickstarter, where if it doesn't get enough backers, they don't print enough copies, and then you don't really see it in stores or online very much. Yes. Yeah, I think we're seeing that much more these days, and it's kind of sad because we just can't get these games to the table, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, another game I did have a chance to play, uh, Zapotec. Uh, this is from Fabio Lopiano. Um, and honestly, Lopiano, it's like an, almost an instant buy for me at this point. If he releases a game, I know I'm going to like it. So mm-hmm. Kalamala, Ragusa, Merv, Zapotec, Autobahn, which I got in this year as well. Um, all five of those are very good games for several reasons. One, they have like tight, closely connected mechanics. And two, they're always relatively short, <laughs> despite the weight. Um, 
his very good at combining all this stuff and making it work in a 60 to 75 minute package. Um, Zapotec is no different. Uh, it's about building these little pyramids and spreading out your influence throughout these different villages. Um, lots of interconnected mechanics that don't require a ton of actions. So I had a lot of fun with this. Yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to play this myself, but looking forward to it. Yep. Um, another one, we both backed this, uh, Weather Machine. This is our annual Vitala Serta release. <laughs> um, I've not played it yet. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I've not played it yet. Have you played it yet? I haven't played it yet, but I, I I did start going through it a bit, and it is it is super crunchy, man. Yeah, there's a lot of crunch in there. Yeah, it's it's up there with on Mars, I think, in terms of crunch. Just again, having just gone through the rules and trying to learn it, mm-hmm. but it's a little harder because the theme is not very clear. No, so and that's the number one complaint I've seen. It's like thematically, it's a little messier than his games normally are, mm-hmm. um, which is disappointing. But I reserve judgment until I play it. I'm still very excited to play. Sure. Uh, Messina 1347, the next one up here, uh, it's the new Suchi game. You played this, right? I love a Suchi, man. There's nobody who loves Suchi more than I do. <laughs> and I'm like, it's it's like during the pandemic, and I'm like, what? Suchi? Game? Yeah, I'm excited. Bro, Suchi. Oh, game about the plague during the pandemic. I don't want to play the game. <laughs> no, Suchi, why? Why, Suchi, why? I, I did play the game. It is an interesting idea because it does play out somewhat thematically as far as running through the town, getting the resources that you need, treating the people that you need to treat and just, you know, getting them back out. It's just, it's an interesting theme. It's an interesting Euro and, but it's just, it's a little small. Like again, it goes back to like Gutenberg. It's like, it's fine in you know five or seven years ago this would be something that would be the talk of the town but now it's just like oh that's a cute little diversion you know for two hours right so yeah a little little disappointing there for me on that yeah i still want to play it but i have not had a chance yet yeah it's fine all right uh next up we have canopea this is the unofficial sequel to celestia Mm -hmm. um cooperative with dexterity memory and strategy mixed in and it seems Mm -hmm. to be targeted more towards children yes we kind of got a demo slash played a little bit of this at pax Mm -hmm. never went back to it uh (laughs) doesn't look like many people have played it since either so i don't know if this game has gotten such a wide release necessarily but uh it's an interesting mix of mechanics for sure yeah i agree uh azul queen's garden this is the annual to biannual release of <laughs> Azul. Um, this one came out in 2021 at the end of it at Essen, but released here in uh, sure. um, in the States in 2022. It's a little bit different, though, too, because it's not about tiles or glass or building anything. It's about putting together a garden, which is a cool mm-hmm. theme. And it's actually also the first Azul game I didn't buy. So I don't know what Ooh. that says. I have the other three. I, I haven't picked this one up yet. Yeah, I have two. I didn't pick this one up either. It just, it feels like a little bit, it's kind of run its course. And I think it's a little bit like in that same feeling or genre of like founders of kind of situation where they would have probably been better off just to name this something different. Mm -hmm. Because I think you had three, you know, somewhat similar versions of Azul out there. And I think, I think it needed to stop. Yeah. I think, yeah, just because I think 
this could have been its own thing. And I think it would have brought more attention to it instead of just been like, oh, another Azul game. I already own, like you do, Anthony 3. I own two myself, so. Pretty much. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I couldn't, I didn't even really look into it because I'm like, I, I don't need another one. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, all right, next up we have Blood on the Clock Tower. This mm-hmm. is a, and I quote, um, horror murder mystery party game. So uh, this was really big and hot and it was on Kickstarter and people were psyched for it because it's shut up and sit down. We're all about it. And I, I know several people who bought this and it sounds like a fiddly, overwrought headache of a game that's amazing to play if you like hidden role games. Um, it's a bluffing game. It's like up to 20 players, like werewolf style. I will never play this, but it's out. People love it and I'm happy for them. Yeah. I, I Again, I think this is certainly another one of those kind of games where it's like group dependent yeah because the group has to bring the play and the game itself as you said seems all fiddly unnecessarily get out of here kind of situation but if you got the group here's the game for you oh yeah (laughs) um all right next up we have uh frost punk the board game which i would have looked right past except it's the creators of this (laughs) war of mine sure um it is based on a video game that's won several awards and it's designed by Adam Kwapinski who has worked on several games, including Nemesis, which is a top 100 game. Um, it's cooperative. It has a cube tower. It has like all these different thematic elements mixed in. I wish I knew the theme and was interested enough to like be engaged with this. Like mm-hmm. city survival horror yeah. does not sound interesting to me, but I know for people who play this game and like that kind of stuff, it's amazing. So Again, I'm happy for everybody. <laughs> and it's yet another Frost-themed game, so there's right. two. Yeah, the Year of Frost. <laughs> um, another big, complicated, heavy game that I did not back on Kickstarter because I didn't understand it. Uh, Perseverance, Castaway Chronicles, Episodes 1 and 2. That's all I got for you. I still don't understand the game. I, I don't know what they're doing here. I just... I don't know. Like, I, I love you, Mind Clash, but what is this game? <laughs> I mean, we say it each and every time that Mind Clash comes out with a game, typically. It's like, this is good. Please stop. This is yeah. still good. Please, dear God, stop. Like, can you get an editor in here just to cut this back a little bit to streamline a couple of things? Like, ah, and this seemed to be like the final step, right? This is the yeah. final unleashing of the Kraken, where just like, it's everything. It's all there. And again... If you got your arms wrapped around it, fantastic. Because again, Mind Clash, I think they're so unique as a company. And again, if, if you go back to one of our episodes as far as like the best board game companies, it's certainly there because they do go for it. I just feel like for me on that Kickstarter page, reading through that, it just went a step too far. It was it's so much. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Next up, we have Verdant. This is the uh, new one from Flat Out Games. Um, you're growing plants. <laughs> It's fun. I haven't talked about it yet on the podcast, but I did pick up a copy and I like it. I know you reviewed it. It's fine. It's, it's a little tile lane puzzle as far as trying to like line everything properly, you know, in order to kind of trigger the right things at the right times. And it's a a little nice little production. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's clever. It's cute. It's not as good as Cascadia, but you know, what is, (laughs) uh, return to dark tower. Uh, I, uh, 
as somebody who has zero nostalgia for this and still doesn't understand why people spend so much money on it, I'm going to let sure. you talk about this game. I honestly don't know how I have not pulled the trigger on this because I have all the nostalgia for it. Like this, my cousin had this. I could, you know, as a kid, you know, we could not afford, you know, this crazy board game with a talking spinning tower. And yet the sounds of that tower and the little voices that it made like echo in my childhood. Mm. And I remember the Kickstarter coming out and I was just like, look, I will buy all of this if it's in the tower. But if you give me an app, I'm out, bro. Like, I just can't. I just can't do that. And of course, it's on an app. And I was just mm. like, nope. And then they returned it. And I was like, damn you people. You won't let me go. Why won't you let me go? It's like, <laughs> this is like $300. And like, it's a relatively light game. And I'm just like, don't, don't make me buy this. Don't, don't make. And I, and I, and I started at, I started at PAX. And the tower is pretty cool. And again, some great designers behind this too. So there's, there's, you know, it, it's fantastic. I, I just, it's just for me, if we, if we're selling nostalgia, like it didn't, it didn't do it for me. Like this is a different game. This is in line of the game. And I, and I, obviously this is what they intended, right. To take a game that was probably a very basic game for back in the day and try to make it more of a modern day board gaming thing. But I think there was something lost in that kind of transformation. And because I don't feel it when I look at that game, when I hear about the gameplay, when I watch the the rule sets and stuff like that, it doesn't trigger any of that for me. Like I, I think was it um, crossbows and catapults or mm-hmm. the other one that came out. I was like, Oh no, I, I could feel myself playing that game and knocking down the blocks, but this just didn't do it for me. So yeah, it bumps me out a little bit. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I had the same feeling because like Fireball Island is is one I had nostalgia for and I did mm-hmm. go end up eventually buying it and I was disappointed because mm. it just and that's part of that's just nostalgia. It's not their yeah. fault. Like you can't yeah. recapture your youth. Oh, come on. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait a man. minute. I Damn regret it. to inform you. <laughs> What's this whole podcast been after all, man? Come on. <laughs> Ah, uh, it's a fruitless endeavor. It's a, uh, no. <laughs> we love you all. It's not fruitless. Oh, uh, um, man. Don't tell the New York Times that. They say if we buy toys, we, we, we're happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I. But people are loving it. Like, it's got high ratings. People enjoy it. It's And again, good on those who, who are having fun with it. Uh, next up is Vagrant Song. This game got really, really hot early in the year. People were really excited about it. And I think a big reason they were excited is because it was hard to find. Uh, so as as happens um it's a cooperative boss battling game Mm -hmm. so you just focus on bosses you were stuck on a ghost train Mm -hmm. and you were moving down these cars trying to fight these different bosses like i love the theme of it i love the aesthetic of it i'm not big on like cooperative dice rolling grid movement type of games so i didn't go for it but i can see why people are excited for this it looks cool it's a cool aesthetic yeah, a lot of people refer to Gloomhaven in talking about this. Like, this is mm-hmm. a streamlined version of that. And people are pretty psyched about it. I think this was on sale at some point, which people were like, their minds were blown at, th- at that point. I looked at it, but it just, it did look a little too stripped down for me to to pick it up. Yeah, I want more of the puzzle, not less. Yeah. I just don't want to keep doing that puzzle over and over again. So it's like, it's a fine line for me. Good, Gloomhaven. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Next up, we have Jurassic World, the legacy of Isla Nublar. Um, okay, say that three times fast. I, yeah, I'm sure I said it wrong. <laughs> uh, this is the Funko Games Kickstarter campaign. It released in the fall. Um, I have a copy. 
that they sent us for review. I'm working through it. We've talked about it a little bit, I'm working through it with my kids. Um, it's big, it's sprawling, it's a legacy game. I'll have a review for it sometime in January. Mm-hmm. So far, it's fine. It's not amazing, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I see a theme emerging. <laughs> yeah, it's. I say fine, though, because a lot of prominent reviewers, i.e. the Dice Tower, absolutely thrashed it. And I don't yeah. think it's bad. I don't know why they hate it so much. I don't hate it. I think it's fine. And with my kids, I think it's actually good. So, mm. um, But I'll get to all that next month when we finish it. <laughs> Uh, Streets. This is the second game from the designer and developer of Villagers. Villagers, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. Which we both loved. And mm-hmm. we, we got a chance to play the tiling game Streets, which I also loved. Yeah. It's much lighter than Villagers, and it's yes. not like the next level that Villagers felt like, but it had such a really engaging kind of aesthetic. And it was so quick to play that, again, it was like a Nolan movie. Like, there's a lot of plot holes here. (laughs) There's a lot of things that, like, I could have a problem with. Or, like, oh, this is too thin or too light or too easy or this, that, and the other. But, like, it's fun. And I'm just, like, as long as the game is fun, I'm I'm with it. So I I backed this and was happy and still happy to have it. Yeah. No, it's it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, Like you said, not as good as Villagers, but what is, right? Maybe Moon. Maybe. Maybe Moon. Moon looks Maybe. really good. <laughs> Excited. Uh, next up, we got Paperback Adventures. This is the solo two-player co-op uh, spin on Paperback from Tim Fowers. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of built the same way. It's like Final Girl, where you have like a core box and then expansions that kind of give you different directions you can go. I backed it. I have it. I regret to inform you I have not played it yet. So <laughs> it's in the queue for the next couple of weeks, but uh, I'm, I'm still very excited for this and I, I'm hoping it works the way he says it will. Well, that's a hope, right? <laughs> I don't, that's the I don't goal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, American Bookshop is another Kickstarter that I backed uh, mm-hmm. back in 2021. Um, we both have this. It's a cute little book collection uh, trick-taking game out of Japan. And yeah, it's, I don't know, trick-taking games out of Japan, just in general. It's like a whole sub-genre of board gaming. I've been introduced to a, quite a few impressive, incredible, very weird games. Uh, and this is not quite weird, but it has a lot going for it. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping, that, hoping it gets to this table as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up, we have Dice Realms. This is one we made fun of a couple times, right? <laughs> a little bit. Thomas Lehman. One of the great designers of the last 20 years, Race for the Galaxy, Roll for the Galaxy, Res Arcana, 1846. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have like four of his games in my top 100. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I have a game for you with all customizable dice. And it only nope. costs $140. Nope. <laughs> Can't do it. Nope. 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 Out. Out. <laughs> nope. Bye. Goodbye. Um, early reviews are middling. The, uh. the dice are problematic. The game is not, it doesn't build and grow as quickly as his other games. I have not played it, so that's not a review. That's just me repeating sure. what I've heard. It's hearsay. But Again, this is another game. Five, seven years ago would be, you know, industry breaking. But they've already done this, and it does not seem to work. I'm not saying it couldn't work. I would love it if it would work, but I have games like this, and they just don't work. And at the price tag and the, the, the amount of time, just like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is like this is the same company that released a, what was it? 60 or $70 expansion 
for Roll for the Galaxy with customizable yeah. dice. Crazy. That nobody bought because it was so expensive. And they're like, let's do that, but a whole game. And it will cost double that. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I, no, no, no. Stop it. No. I, I mean, I bought it on, I bought that expansion on sale because I love Same. Roll for the Galaxy. But that module is not worth playing, sadly enough. No, especially not when it's the same price as the base game. Yeah, no, no. Um, all right. Uh, next up, we have Now or Never, the new Ryan Lockett game, which mm-hmm. this is kind of his thing now. Just these big, sprawling storytelling games. I have not played any of them since the first one. I know you played uh, the most recent one, Sleeping Gods. Yes. Uh, did you have a chance to play this one? I haven't played this one yet. Uh, Sleeping Gods, again, like like Gloomhaven, was just one of those things where I'm not going to say I'm burnt out on it. Because that's just doesn't really feel right. But I feel like I've gotten my fill of it. Mm. So when they brought out more content and this and this came out, I was just like, oh, that's also fine. I don't I don't want to play this anymore. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> I, I got enough of it. I got enough of the thing. So, yeah, I wish he would go back to Empires of the Void 2. I mm. wish that was got a re-implementation or another version of that because that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, ISS Vanguard. This game has some ridiculously good reviews. Yeah, just people losing their minds about this game. <laughs> uh, it's from Awaken Realms, and they release one of these big four hundred dollars Kickstarters every couple of years. And I stopped backing any of the, that type of game a while ago, so it wasn't on my radar at all. And then the reviews started coming in this year, and I'm like, is is this something I should track down? Because people are going crazy here. <laughs> It's a campaign board game, cooperative sci-fi adventure. It's got cool dice and pretty pictures and miniatures. And that's all I know about it. I have not played it yet. I, I honestly, I, I hate to say, I mean, it's, it's still, it still sits in that realm of just being that type of game because it really does. It seems like most of the effort that was put into the game is the miniature kind of situation. It's a, it's a co-op or co-op game. So Cool miniatures, cool theme gameplay. Hmm, we'll see. Get to the table someday. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's amazing. Like, I ignored Nemesis forever, and then people are like, no, seriously, it's actually really good. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, no, since I, I haven't know. backed this, I'm really hoping it's not, but okay. Yeah, yeah. It's got a 9.0 on on Board Game Geek right now. It's, it's yeah. It's, it's going to be up there with Nemesis soon. Um, all right, Marvel Dice Throne. This was the, we've both played Dice Throne, like a Yahtzee-style Mm-hmm two-player battler it was fine and then they're like now we have marvel and i played the marvel version at pax with my family it was dice throne with marvel it was fine <laughs> if you like dice throne you like marvel it's, it's amazing you can get it at target yeah that's fine i'm, I'm good with that yeah <laughs> it's again it's like again if this came out first it would be the better version of dice throne because i know dice throne has had i think season two came out which was a it cleared up and sharpened up and came in better packaging. So now that Marvel's out, now we're in the IP realm. So yeah, this is not going to stop. It's going to be a lot more of that. Ew. And it's like been at Target for a while, like which means they're selling it. They haven't yes. put it on clearance yet. So nope. people are buying it. Uh, all right. Another Awaken Realms game, The Great Wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one I backed because it's a Euro game. It's engine building game, asymmetrical worker placement. Uh, and they offered a non-miniature version. So I was able to get 
uh, meeples instead and pay only like 40 or 50 dollars for the game and i was like 100 percent on board and i backed it and um, i'm glad i did because it's cool <laughs> it's a cool little um like there's an ai kind of constantly attacking everybody as they kind of work it's a semi-cooperative euro game where you're trying to achieve your own objectives so i always like that mechanic i think it's cool when it's done well mm-hmm. and this game pulls it off pretty well sounds good um Talidum. The new Daniel Tashini and Simone Luciani game. This is well, it's, it's out. I don't know exactly how many people have it in their hands because it just finally got out to the North American um, buyers in the last month or so. Um, haven't had a chance to play this yet. I do have a copy uh, that Board and Dice uh, sent us, and I'm excited for it because you know the last few Tashini games have felt a little more phoned in, but he's back working with Luciani. They've come together again. They made Marco Polo. They made um, Zulkin. So I'm hoping this one is as good as those. Hmm. Sounds good. And then the last one that actually came out this year, that was on our list, War of the Ring, the card game. Uh, Just barely made the list. It it came out the first or second week of December. Um, I think it hit retail like five days before Christmas. So, you know, you can find it maybe. Um, uh, I have my copy, have not had a chance to play it yet because it does require two or four players. Um, but looking through the rules, watching all the reviews, you know, going through videos, very excited to play this game. Um, I have been since I learned it existed, which was in the process of putting this list together last year. Great. Yeah, no, this was one of my most anticipated games of the year. One of my most anticipated games for PAX Unplugged. It, of course, was not at PAX Unplugged, which kind of broke my heart a little bit because I did not pre-order it, thought I was going to get it at the, at the convention. And I'm glad you picked up a copy, because if, again, War of the Ring is such a good game, whether or not you're into Lord of the Rings, just mechanically and just, just conceptually and just thematically, everything that goes along with it, if the card game can do some percentage of that in an easier, accessible way, I think they'll succeed all across the board. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's beautiful to look at too. Just looking through the cards, I'm like, man, these are pretty. So, <laughs> um, all right, so that's all the games that actually came out from our most anticipated list. It was a lot. Most of them are decent. And a bunch of these we haven't yet played and we're excited to play. So it's been a good year. Um, now, really quickly, and we'll do this kind of rapid fire because these games aren't out yet and some of these will be on our most anticipated list in two weeks. So we'll talk about them <laughs> more then. Yes. Um, but here are some games we talked about last year that have not come out yet. For various reasons. Mm-hmm. First, Horseless Carriage, the new one from Splatter. It is on a boat. It's on a way. <laughs> if you're in Europe, you might have it, but most people do not. Um, we have Rolling Heights. This was from AEG. It was on Kickstarter back in February. Has not shipped yet. The pledge manager just closed like a month ago. So should be coming out here in the next two to three months. Mobile Markets is a tricky one because a bunch of people do have it from conventions, but has not officially released in North America through retail yet. Um, like I have my copy, got it at PAX, but a lot of people don't yet. Um, this is the card game version of Smartphone Inc. Um, we've played it. It's very good. Excited for more people to get their hands on it. Darwin's Journey is a game that has been just languishing forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this was on Kickstarter two and a half years ago, three years ago. Um, and this is a company that just kind of does that. Thundergriff Games, they were super late with Tang Garden too. So 
it's almost done. They're supposedly shipping it in the next four to five months. I backed it. Waiting for it. Yeah, I'm excited to play it when it finally comes in. Um, Hegemony is one we both backed on Kickstarter as well. Uh, I know this one's moving along at more or less the pace they were hoping for. Um, It just didn't happen to get released yet uh, this year, but should be on its way here in the first half of 2023. Excited. Madeira. Jeez. Collector's edition. (laughs) (laughs) They say it's coming soon. I, I don't know if that's happening or not. How many years now? Uh, four? Yeah. I think we're on four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four it's, years. It's a pre-pandemic game. So. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. They every uh, yeah, We don't need no, to go down that rabbit hole. No, we'll no. talk about it more in two weeks. Um, <laughs> uh, the Seventh Citadel is a game that I, I believe the backers have it. Um, I don't know if this game actually went to... Their games generally don't go to retail, but it's not actually possible to get otherwise unless you back the original way back in the day. Um, but the second Kickstarter, there's rumors they've been asking about it. I don't know. I don't know if anything's going to happen with this, but it's been on our list kind of repeatedly for a while. Um, Albin VR's nano nine games in which he's taken a whole game and kind of boiled it down to nine components in a tiny little box. This just shipped to backers like two weeks ago. I got my copy three days before Christmas. Um, so technically released but not for anybody but the people who backed it who happened to get theirs in already which a lot of people have not so um it's an interesting mechanic there's more of them coming he's mentioned a tramways version as well as some other stuff from small city so we'll see more of that soon uh 11 football manager board game this was the ridiculously overpriced portal games um soccer game that was on uh game found back early in uh maybe late 2021. I don't know what's going on with this. I ended up not backing it because of the cost, but I know some people are getting frustrated with the delays. Same. Hamburg and Amsterdam. Um, so we didn't even include the other two games here in the uh, uh, New York and Marrakesh because I don't either they hadn't been launched yet or we just assumed they weren't coming, but then they delayed these two until those two are done. So we're still waiting on Hamburg and Amsterdam. It's been... A year and a half, almost two years since Crazy. the Kickstarter ran. Um, they had copies at PAX. They're done. They're just getting them out. So we should actually get this soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lagranha Deluxe Master Set. Uh, this one also kind of in the works. I know they're getting close to being done with this. Um, I don't think we necessarily expected it to be ready in 2022 because of when the Kickstarter ran or the Game Found ran. Um, but should be done soon. Shikoku 1889. Um, this is a prettier, fully updated version of uh, this 18xx game that takes place in Japan. Um, it got delayed for a long time because of some issues with the graphic design, but they're back on track and hoping to finish and release the game next year. Uh, the Palaces of Carrera, second edition. This one, again, it kind of just seeped out into the ether in the last like two, three weeks. So it's technically released when you're hearing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen copies on some retailer websites, yeah, but has not made it into full release. And uh, I know backers are, are just getting their copies as well. Um, Unconscious Mind was on our list last year and they just ran this Kickstarter like two mm-hmm. months ago. So <laughs> like um, that might be a 2024 game at this point. Yeah, I backed it. So looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, Anunnaki, Dawn of the Gods. Uh, this is a big, giant, 
space version of these dudes on a map god games yeah um this one had a bit of a bumpy ride through crowdfunding but Mm -hmm. they're into they had a late pledge manager then they have a full pledge manager it's it's cranio creations their kickstarter skills are are not the best but um it's moving along it should be on its way in 2023 yeah i really wanted to back this and just pulled myself out of it just because as you said the kickstarter was all over the place so expensive yeah all right um expansions and re-releases so again i'll kind of rapid fire through these and if we've played one of them we'll stop and talk about it on mars alien invasion uh this is the expansion for on mars um patella Cerda. both of us back this right it's an incentive it's it i'm already again i have not done a full review of this but this for me is an essential expansion for on mars it's really good. There's so much stuff in there, like four different modules, co-op, mm-hmm. competitive, semi-co-op. There's so much stuff here to work through. Um, Root Marauders, like they've jokingly said this is the last expansion for Root. I will believe it when I see it because <laughs> um, it's, it's a cash cow for them. Uh, haven't had a chance to play this with a full group of people yet, but having worked through the stuff with the two new factions, very, very good. Uh, Tapestry Arts and Architecture. I think we both kind of gave up on tapestry at a point, but hey, they keep releasing content, so why not? Yeah, I mean, I think the first expansion was supposed to fix things, and then it was an errata that came out, so I don't know. It'd be nice. I mean, I have it. I'd like it to be good, so maybe the expansions fix that. Yeah, that'd be good, hopefully. Um, next up, we have uh, Everdell Complete Collection. So... You know, that giant box, it's the size of a car. It's crazy, but it's its gorgeous. And again, it is, it is, yeah. they do everything. I mean, everything about the game is super high quality. I, I wish I had a copy of it. Yeah, it's its so big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm glad I don't because I would never play it. Because again, it falls into that category of box too yeah. big. But Box too big. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Um, Clinic Deluxe Extensions. There was a couple new extensions for Clinic Deluxe. Jeez, so many um, extensions. I know. And then he's like, it's the last one, I promise. It's the last one. And then like in an email three weeks later, he's like, I have another idea. <laughs> so <Damn it. laughs> um, so th- that that shelf keeps growing. I have a full block of my Kalax, just Clinic expansions at this point. Yeah, you know, it's a problem when he has like a book so that you can know how to play the expansions. <laughs> yeah, there's like 70 or 80 different modules now. Jeez, crazy. It's ridiculous. Um. Isle of Cats, don't forget the kittens. Jeez. Yes. <laughs> no. Kittens. They're so cute. Damn the, little it. Kitten, the little cute and polyominoes, man. Come on. Uh-huh. They're cute. You all know you want it. Um, <laughs> Journeys in Middle Earth, spreading war. Journeys in Middle Earth is a very good, albeit app-based, for those who don't like that, but I don't mind, um, kind of descent-style exploration game in the lord of the rings universe but uses cards as the mechanic rather than any kind of randomness otherwise mm-hmm. um spreading war is a very good expansion they say it's their last big box one but then they release a small box one so maybe they'll do more who knows sure marvel champion sinister motives was the um sinister six expansion with uh, spider-man stuff they also released mutant genesis this year with the x-men um very excited to see what they do next year either more X-Men or just going in a completely different direction. Probably they'll do something multiverse, which I'm kind of already tired of. And I know we have like four more years of Marvel content with multiverse. (laughs) uh, Multiverse. Multiverse. 
Yeah, just be done with it. Um, <laughs> Maracaibo Uprising was the uh, campaign style expansion for Maracaibo from Alexander Pfister that adds like some agency for the people who live in this region <laughs> to the game <laughs> of Maracaibo. Um, it's not an amazing expansion, but I do feel like it does some interesting and necessary things for the game. It, it's just kind of more content, but presented in a better light. So take that as you will. Nice. Um, War of the Ring Kings of Middle Earth got delayed again. So <laughs> uh, this was supposed to come out this year, but from what I've heard, they delayed it so they could release the card game. So I'm really hoping and now it comes out in 2023. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you can hope, my friend. You can hope. I can hope. Uh, Caverna Frantic Friends. Uh, I know it exists because I saw pictures of it from Essen, but it's not out here yet. And it, you know, Lookout Games is Asthma Day, so. They will release it whenever they feel like. And then last but not least, we have an expansion for Bonfire, uh, Trees and Creatures, which also has not yet come out here in North America. Um, but I'm actually very excited for this because Bonfire, which is a Stefan Feld game, had a lot of cool stuff going for it, but it didn't quite work, right? It needed something more. And this expansion seems to add that little bit more. So I'm hoping it actually comes here. Occasionally these expansions don't, and I just... You know, you don't get that little extra bit of content that you want for the game. All right. Um, so that's everything we had on our original list from last year. Uh, last but not least, we have a list of games that came out this year that we either didn't know were coming or just personally were not aware of. Um, and we're either surprised by that they existed or pleasantly surprised after playing them. Um, so first up, we had Libertalia, Winds of Galecrest from Stonemaier Games. Nobody thought a Libertalia was coming back and definitely not like a completely revamped version of it. Mm -hmm. And it works fairly well for those people who like Libertalia. It's not for nice. me, I found out, but mm -hmm. it's it's a good game. Nice. Um, Heat, Pedal to the Metal, is a car racing version of Flamme Rouge from Days of Wonder. It's been the top of the hotness now for like three weeks. Um, I'm actually really excited to play this. I'm on the fence whether to buy it because it's kind of expensive but car racing game the flam rouge mechanic days of wonder it's like all the things put together nice uh the guild of merchant explorers from aeg this is a uh i don't know flipping right place and right whatever you want to call it um exploration game with cubes that really came out of nowhere for me i really really enjoyed this quite a bit um one of my favorite games of the year uh, twilight inscription no one saw that coming in fact, it sounded like a joke. Uh, there were some leaks about this a few years ago, and people thought they were it was a joke. People are trolling them. But it's real. It's a roll and write game in the Twilight Imperium universe. And even weirder, it's kind of good. So no one saw that coming. <laughs> um, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, based on Pandemic. This was another like surprise release. They announced it, and then like five days later, it was available. So like just very short turnaround. The game is fine, but it's fairly accessible. It does the pandemic mechanic pretty well, and uh, the kids like it. So uh, it's not a bad take on that. Those two uh, IPs smashed together. No, it's, um, it's a decent, decent game. Yeah. Horizons of Spirit Island. So I never thought I'd see Spirit Island boiled down to basics and release at Target for 30 bucks. <laughs> Here we are. They did it. Um, I'm probably going to pick it up because it has new spirits, which is annoying to me. I wish they just use old ones. <laughs> uh, new stuff. Got to get the new stuff. 
Um, Starship Captains and Deal with the Devil. So CGE releasing two seemingly big games at the same time. And then we find out one of them's kind of light and one of them's a little overly complicated. Mm -hmm. But, you know, both solid in their own way, but also not as solid as they could be. Um, Beer and Bread. This is from uh, Scott Alms and Capstone Games. And I've kind of written Scott Alms off at a certain point just because his games always feel not quite fully baked. But then he comes along with a game with bread in it and he's like, it's fully baked. <laughs> I, baked I baked the heck out of this. Um, very good two-player asymmetrical game. That's what you did there. Yeah. My Little Everdell. Uh, this had apparently been announced before, but I didn't even know it existed until I sat down to play it with my kids at PAX. Mm-hmm. Very good. We bought a copy. My daughter's in love with it. Uh, Terra Nova, a stripped-down version of Terra Mystica. Again, didn't expect them to do that, although now I'm starting to think I should expect this because there's a lot of games on this list that are just stripped-down, shorter, simpler versions of games you already know, like War of the Ring the Card Game and Twilight Inscription <laughs> and yeah, like seeing a theme here. Um, and then Astra was one last game that went direct to sale. Like you could just buy it without a Kickstarter from mind clash. Um, small box game, relatively simple, light enough that my kids could play it. Did not think mind clash would ever release a game that my children could play at their current ages. Um, and not a terrible game. It was a lot of fun. So those are some games that we were surprised by that kind of came out of nowhere, or maybe were rumored and we didn't think would be as good as they are. And they came out in 2022 as well. Yeah, it's overall, again, a very good, solid year across the board with some really fun expansions and re-releases. And as we mentioned, surprises is always hard to kind of gear, especially with the supply chain problems these days. Mm -hmm. So it was good to see, you know, some really interesting, cute little things, whether it's Beer and Bread or My Little Everdale. And, you know, just some successful games getting a solid reinvention, like Twilight Inscription. So across the board, some, some good takes this year. And I think just I think for the next coming year, I think we'll just see more and more good stuff and getting a lot more of these games to the table. So they will move from, you know, our anticipated to our year in review to games at our table. And again, as always, we're hoping to bring you all back to table. So until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all. I'll see you at the table in 2023. Take care, everybody. Bye.